Hey, what's up, guys? It's your girl, Butter P, and you are listening to Kicking It With Butter, my podcast. And I've got one of my very special friends, <laughs> if not one of my favorite people in the entire universe, mm. my partner, mm. my teammate. What else? <laughs> my baby daddy. What else? My lover. Yeah, you know I mean? My friend. Ooh. My superhero. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> My spouse, my husband, mm. your boy, Kanata Small. <laughs> How you doing, babe? I'm good. I'm excited. What Why are you excited? About? What we talk about? What, <laughs> what do you want to talk, talk about? Let's talk about how... You already started this off wrong with matching my T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> What's the big deal? Guys. What's oh the big God. deal? Kami used to have a, a, whole, a whole song. Wait, did he, he said I won't match. We won't wear matching shirts, but I will match your work. But matching shirts and matching sneakers is dope. What you mean? Power moves, man. <laughs> Power moves. Yeah. All right, so let's let's talk about that. What is your fascination with you matching with me? <laughs> like, did you not have a girlfriend in high school that you guys did, that you didn't get the chance to like do the whole matchy matchy thing? Because you like to match a lot. Like, you what? want match sneakers. Lot. Like, you we're literally wearing the same <laughs> Wu Tang T shirt. It's right funny. Now. Yeah, it's, it's Wu Tang forever. What do you mean Wu Tang's dope? Because. Like, no, and to answer your question, no, I'd never, in high school, no, I, we're not wearing the same thing. That's corny, because you're in high school. Well, no, that's where everyone did it, was in high school. No, wasn't it in college? College is when you wore matching stuff. I never liked matching anybody. <laughs> but... I don't think I ever did it before. But now, I think it all came because it came from shopping. That's what it came <laughs> from. Because before, earlier in our marriage... I would go out and buy stuff and not tell my wife. So I'd have to hide sneakers and hide all kinds of things. And then I figured out. That oh, the, I got it. I got what, it. You know <laughs> go ahead. I, I, I think out I just. That the easy way to get away with this stuff is to buy you something as well. <laughs> So now so you I'm say, let buy, me buy, let me buy absolutely. these dope pair of sneakers, but to get away with it, let me buy my wife a pair too. That's right. Because if I wear them, since we both like sneakers, you're going to say, uh, what? Where'd you get those sneakers from? <laughs> and if I, even if I <laughs> haven't told dope, you. And if they're dope, I'm going to be like, yo, why you didn't buy why me a pair? Exactly. Why you didn't buy me a pair? Okay. So that I don't mind. Okay. But you like to wear them at the same time. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's the picture op. You know, we live in a world where pictures is everything. So you got to take a... If we didn't have Instagram and those kinds of things, I probably wouldn't do it. But because, <laughs> you know, you got Instagram and these pictures, you know, you take the, the chance, you wear the same whatever, and then you take a picture and then it looks dope. Oh, <laughs> babe, I love you. I do it to appease you. But, but when you see family photos, you know, like you never see family photos with people mismatching, right? Well, I think there's two different things. You can compliment each other in what you're wearing, but you be wanting to wear like old wear like skirts that you le wear. Let me wear the Wu Tang shirt. Matter of fact, let's wear the same Adidas. Wait, no. are we gonna wear the same joggers? No, it's okay, babe. I don't mind though. 
We, I've we, learned. I have learned to appreciate it. It's something that you enjoy doing. Yeah, it's fun. You know? So. Uh, and people, uh, people like it too. They're like, oh, you guys match. Oh, that's so, cute. that's so oh. cute. Yeah, yeah. On ch- in church. I gotta care about people. The other day we were at church, <laughs> and uh, I wore a striped shirt, and I usually try to get dressed and like <laughs> so you won't see me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that was a day, coincidence though, because you went to church before me. I had a striped shirt on, and then. Lo and behold, here comes Kanata with stripes. And hey, look, my son is wearing stripes too. <laughs> <laughs> the whole family, man. We got to look good family. as a unit. Kevin Hart said it best. You got to look good as a unit. You look crazy when you... It's true. We do usually look good as a yeah. unit, though. So, babe, a lot of people know that we have an appreciation for sneakers, right? Yeah. My appreciation of sneakers started when I was 16 years old. Well, probably a little bit before that. My first, actually, probably my appreciation for sneakers probably started when I was in middle school. I played basketball, mm-hmm. and my cousin gave me a pair of Jordans. They were used, they were hand-me-down, but they were the Jordan 4s. Mm-hmm. They were my favorite pair of sneakers. And I remember I was like, yo, these sneakers are amazing. And I thought they made me play basketball better. <laughs> <laughs> Did they? I don't know. I mean, I remember the first time I wore them, I had an amazing game. I was like, yo, my three-shot is on point. <laughs> But it that was when the appreciation for sneakers started. And mm-hmm. I remember after those pair of shoes is really when I really started liking sneakers. And I started to really appreciate them. Mm-hmm. But I always wanted to actually create sneakers. Like, that's how I got into shoes. And then I just started collecting them. When would you mm-hmm. say you appreciated sneakers? Because mm-hmm. we, we debate this all the we time. We debate about this. So when I was in uh, New York, I remember one time I went to the sneaker store with a friend of mine's. And he had been saving up for a long time to get these sneakers. They were like these new Air Maxes in the, uh, I think they're called Ultra Red, that red that only Nike has. Um, and when I saw them, I thought they were, they look like, they kind of look similar to the sneakers I'm wearing now. But they were girly to me because of the actual color. But I remember him saving for them and he paid, I think, I don't know, at the time, 70 or $80 for the sneakers. And I remember saying to him, like, man, you just paid that much money for one pair of sneakers? Because <laughs> that just wasn't in my culture <laughs> to buy that, you know, being Jamaican. And, oh, my mom's was frugal. But I remember him buying the sneakers, and I thought they were, like, all right. But when he went to school, everybody was like, yo. His name was uh, Brian. He said, yo, Brian, them sneakers is crazy. So that, that kind of started the uh, curiosity. And then when I moved here to Florida, as to hear I'm talking about, um, and started going to high school here. Um, it was my sophomore year, my sophomore summer. I got a job working. Um, it was like an OJT thing at the school. We would be there, and this guy. Uh, we went out after we got our paychecks every two weeks. It was two hundred and thirty-five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> we got our two hundred and thirty-five dollars after two weeks of full-time labor, cleaning gums off of desks and all this stuff. And I remember he said, yo, this is what we're going to do. We're going to make sure that when we go out and buy stuff, uh, we're prepared for the beginning of school so we're not wearing the same outfit for at least two weeks. So I was like, oh, snap, I never did that. I never had a job before this, and I never made that much money. So every paycheck, I bought a, I bought a pair of shoes. I got four paychecks over the summer. Dang, that paycheck now gets you one pair? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's shoes and, you know, and a whole outfit. boss jeans and all kinds of stuff. <laughs> boss. <laughs> boss, Jinko, all that stuff. <laughs> so um, 
I went and I bought, you know, four pair of sneakers. The sneakers were some uh, Nikes, some uh, Nike Hirachi, sorry, there was some LA lights. The lights, the ones that you used to be able to take out and replace. Not the regular LA light gear. I'm talking about the dope ones. They I don't were crazy. ever remember guys nah, wearing LA lights. Um, but okay. <laughs> Yo, those of, are like mad old. Uh, yeah, a pair of Reeboks and some other kind of sneaker. I forgot what the other sneakers were. Anyways, when school started, <laughs> every single day for the first week, I had a new pair of sneakers. And everybody was like, yo, man. Stunting. Stunting. Now, I didn't carry that job into my regular school year. <laughs> so those sneakers lasted me about, I don't know, three or four months. And then I was back to one pair <laughs> like normal. Because, uh, you know, I played basketball and stuff. Um, so that was like my first time. Because like, really what happens is it's like the, the culture of sneakers is when you grow up and you can't get it, when you get to a point where you can afford to buy sneakers, you go crazy. That's literally the sneakerhead story for most people that are sneakerheads. They couldn't get it when they were younger. When they got older is when they could get it, and now they just go crazy. You were with me when I got my first pair of Jordans. That's we right. We New were York. in New York. Yep. And um, did you buy those for me, or did my mom buy them? I think your mother bought them <laughs> for you. My mom bought them for me. Shout out to Mom yeah. Dukes, the first lady of your there, life. I think for a funeral <laughs> or something. And, you know, I was already grown. We were already married. And Actually, she, I don't even think I was with you. I think I was here in Florida, and you, you had went up for your grandmother's funeral. Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and they were, were they black and blue Jordans or something? They were black and red, the ones. Black and red. And we bought them. Um, and, yeah, I mean, since, I mean, I've, I've always liked sneakers. I, I You know, I, I worked at Foot Action in my junior year of high school, um, had pennies. But I would say they started, the, the, the fascination for them started in 10th grade. That's when I saw people react to me wearing new sneakers every day. <laughs> and I got to admit, it was a people thing. I, I, I liked the way that it made people react to me. Yeah. But as I grew, I just started, you know, liking the material and the fascination and then the history behind sneakers. So, Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. Like, you, when, when I talk to people now who love sneakers, like, they don't really understand. They just, like... It's just a fad for them, or it's just like, oh, I'm trying to get the first pair, whatever, whatever. And they don't even know. But I think for me, um, with when when we got married, right? Mm-hmm. I think we just overdid it. <laughs> yeah. I remember there was a point that we were getting paid every Friday, right? And I think every Friday we were going to buy sneakers. But I will say this: mm. we were we've always been smart, right? Yeah. We've been very smart financially mm-hmm. with how much we pay with sneaker for sneakers. Mm-hmm. I think. Not even I think. I know you definitely taught me that. I remember when we first met, right? When I mm-hmm. first came to Florida, we went to Marshalls. You, <laughs> I think, took me to Marshalls uh-huh. with a group of your friends. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I had just gotten here. I think I was here like maybe a week or so from yeah. Pennsylvania. It was your birthday and weekend. It was my birthday weekend. Mm-hmm. And you guys took me to Marshalls. And I remember I bought a pair of Reeboks. There blue was some white, white, black, and blue mm-hmm. Reeboks. Mm-hmm. And I paid like $12 for the things. I was like, whoa, Mm -hmm. like what kind of stores do you guys have here? And I remember we were in the parking lot and I was blown away. And you just kept giving me this look like, why is this chick so excited? (laughs) Yeah. And I thought, I was like, yo, this dude probably thinks I'm such a cornball. Yeah, I mean, Ross, Marshalls, uh, those sneakers, they just have hidden, hidden gems. I mean... I, I, I worked at Ross when I was in uh, 12th grade, my 12th grade year, just for a little bit. 
and uh, I saw that you know they had a lot of sneakers, but Marshalls used to be the best sneaker place in the mall. And then you know it switched over to Ross when we got older when we were you know married. And uh, don't sleep on Ross. Man. I know, man. I tell people, but ironically, not ironically, but <clears throat> I've come to find out mm-hmm. that actually here in South Florida we have. Our selection is way better than anywhere. I think so. Because I've gone to other places. Well, I, we, we've mm-hmm. gone to other places. And we find some we find some hidden gems, but not like here. Like, like you can here. literally walk out of Ross with like 10 pairs of sneakers here. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I remember when I first met you, right? Mm-hmm. I remember when I first met you, our friend Robert introduced us. Our friend, he passed away yeah, uh, yeah. now. Uh, Robert Castellanos, he introduced us. And I remember when I first moved to Florida, he knew I was into sneakers. He knew I played basketball, like all this stuff. And he used to always tell me, I got to introduce you to this guy, Kanata. You got to meet this guy, Kanata. And I'm like, why? (laughs) (laughs) And I remember meeting you finally. And Mm -hmm. then I saw you playing basketball. And I was like, remember I was checking you out? Mm -hmm. Checking out my rear end. I was checking out the booty. Specifically. (laughs) Specifically. Ew, booty. I remember you were playing ball, and I wasn't even paying attention to anybody. I was just there, and I remember mm-hmm. watching you run up the court. I was like, yo, who's that? He had a big old butt. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and my friend Nicole funny. was like, uh, and you turned around, and I was like, oh, my God, that's that guy from church. Like, that's such a what's weird wrong story, with me? Because we drove, we drove in separate cars, but we got there the same time. We left from the same place together. But we weren't talking or anything out. like that. I mean, you saw what I was wearing. I had, like, just met you. I know, but you would figure if you come someplace and this is your first time being there for a little over a week or so and you're going out with a bunch of strangers you wouldn't know what all of them look like just because you're in yeah, well you guys all started blending in like you guys were all playing basketball and stuff so i wasn't really paying attention yeah. and there was some dude like on the side trying to holler at me so i wasn't paying attention <laughs> and then you but i was the only black guy though well in, i, in I wasn't dude. paying attention this <laughs> other dude next to me was trying to yeah. you know so well, i did like a double guy. take and i was like yo who's that with the big old butt and I was like, oh, snap, that's the guy. That's so funny. Like, I remember playing good that day. And you'll never talk about how I was killing them. Because I think Juan was, was, was playing good. I don't ever remember. Yeah, no, yeah, I don't see? remember you playing ball. You don't do well when I'm there, though. You're like, right. I don't, can't really recall you ever having You're a right. good game. <laughs> Every time she shows up to anything, a league game, pickup game, whatever. It's like it's I a don't myth. know how to play basketball. Everybody else so tells me how good you tells, are. Tells her how good I am. And then she comes out and she's like, this is what y'all this call sucks. good? <laughs> Man. It's all good, though. Aw, babe. But you're you're pretty good. I mean, you, you give it your all when I'm there. <laughs> you're good. But when I first met you, I remember <laughs> you used to rock these Eastlands. Uh. I remember you used to walk, rock these Eastlands, mm-hmm. and you were just not the guy. You were just so, it was it was weird. You were different from any guy I would have mm-hmm. been interested in, but yet you were still somewhat similar to guys that I was interested in, hmm. if that makes any type of sense. Like, maybe it was your physique. Maybe it was your, you know, the way you carried yourself and stuff. Big lips. Mm-hmm. No, you definitely have the biggest lips <laughs> of anybody I've ever been with. They're nice and juicy and plump. I love them. Um, but yeah, you were just different. What was your What was your first impression of me when you first met me? <laughs> well, there's two first impressions. The first time I saw you, you had a hat on, um, jeans, and a t-shirt, and your t-shirt was tucked into your jeans. Whoa! And you had like uh, some Timberlands on or something. So that whole Probably. outfit. Yeah, so that whole outfit was 
different from Florida girls. So I was, you know, it was, it was, uh, it got my attention. He's like, who's this shorty? But that was before I knew who you were because Robert had been talking about you, um, our friend. So when I, when I met you, met you, you were in the cross, uh, he had pulled up to me and we were pulled up about to pull out of the parking lot, both in separate cars and you were on the passenger side and he had to look past you to talk to me and I had to look past you to talk to him. So when I saw you, I was like, oh snap. And I remember Juan was in the car with me and I said to Juan, cause Robert had a history of <laughs> dating girls and good looking girls, like, you know? So I was like, you know what? I said, I'm gonna take her from him, you know? <laughs> And that was my friend, so, you know, you shouldn't do that to your friends, you know? But, you know, he, he, you know, he, he had gotten a bunch of girls. He was good. <laughs> like, I was a relationship guy. That's like what I, I need. You know, so I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that one from him. Um, yeah, and then I remember when we went out to that Marshalls that day, <laughs> and you came out. You were so loud. Because <laughs> before you were quiet, I guess you didn't want anyone to know what you were like or whatever. But you were so you got you had gotten real comfortable with Robert and his friends, yeah. the two guys he used to hang out with. <clears throat> so when you came out that store, he was like, "Yo, I just got these. Yo, twelve dollars is crazy." And I was like, "Yo, what is wrong with her? Like, we're standing right next to her. What's she screaming for?" I was loud. And I'm I was still like, loud. "Yo!" So at first it was it was uh, it was hard to get used to. You, you were being like, like that. "Yeah, it was like." Uh, <laughs> Never mind. You know? But, you know, um, the time I got to know you was when we went to a housewarming party. And I was your ride to Eli's housewarming party. And that's oh. when I got to know you, know you. And I was like, oh, okay, she's cool. She was just acting a little ghetto, you know? But she was a little hood girl. I was in ghetto. Yo, I remember one time, yo, <laughs> when I went to Pennsylvania. I tell people this story all the time. I went to Pennsylvania. Oh, and, boy. Uh, we was driving. It was wintertime. And um, we was pulled up at a light. Oh, my god! And these girls pulled up, and they wind down the window. I don't know why my window was down. And I wind down the window because they was trying to get my attention. And they was like, yo, what's your number or something? What's your name or something like that? And you were in the passenger seat next to me. And I remember <laughs> you tried to jump across from the passenger seat through my window <laughs> to go... <laughs> And attack these girls. Uh, I don't know if you cursed. <laughs> you were saying, I, I but think you wasn't I probably saved. did. <laughs> yeah, yo, it was like, yo, this I was girl fresh was, off the boat, yeah, getting she saved. Was fresh. She was ready. <laughs> she was still ready with the fist clenched. Um, but that's when I was like, okay, you know, all these experiences was like, okay, this girl is like, this is different than anything I've. You're different than any girl I ever dated. The girls that I dated in the past were dainty and. You know, they want you to hold the door for them and throw your jacket on the floor to walk over puddles and go watch Titanic together. <laughs> yeah. You know, you was trying to watch, like, action movies. You know, so everything about you was was different than I had uh, ever experienced, so it was very intriguing. And it, uh, you know, it got my attention. And you, and you didn't think I was good-looking, and all the girls that I had dated thought I was real good-looking. <laughs> So you never harped on my looks, you know, which was different for me. Uh, it took me a while to get used to it. Uh, that sounds weird, right? But it's the truth. I'm, if I'm being honest, I'm telling you the truth. Like, I was like, yo, this girl, man, she know what's going on. Look at this smile, man. 
<laughs> Look at this smile. <laughs> but you wasn't impressed with all that. I wasn't. You was impressed with uh, other things. Can't trust a big button smile. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, getting to know you was uh, was fun. It was a, it was an adventure. At times it was tough because you was you know you was a little tough. But it was always a challenge, you know. And I'm thankful for it because easy e- easy relationships were always boring after a while. But you you were you kept it very interesting. Yeah. You know, what, I talk about you all the time in the sense of um, the pursuit of things, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we mentor young people. <clears throat> so a lot of the young girls are always asking about relationships and should I pursue a guy? How should I, you know, be let a guy pursue me but not look like I'm thirsty? And, and I, I always share the story, you know, just about our relationship. And I think, um, you know, one, I was coming out of a horrible situation, so... When we met, I was just damaged goods. <laughs> so for me, it was like, oh man, this poor guy. Like, uh, you know. But for me, I think um, what I appreciated was I was very honest and blunt with you from mm-hmm. the gate. I think it caught you off guard, mm-hmm. but I think you appreciated it. Yeah. Um, but for me, it was you still pursued me regardless of. You know, you were able to see past the the walls and you were able to see past the hurt and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I share with the young girls like that for me was um, impressive, even though at the time I didn't really acknowledge it, if that makes sense. Like I can look back at it now. I'm like, wow, he was really because I think I did everything and anything to kind of keep you Mm -hmm. at a distance. Mm -hmm. Um, One, because I was still healing from my previous situations. But two, I um, I was sharing this with a friend of mine the other day. I I think for me the biggest reason was I knew where I was coming from. Mm-hmm. I didn't know you well enough yet, but from the outside looking in, you just looked like you were coming from such a great, healthy place that I was like, man, I would hate to come into his life and just completely wreck his life. And I've shared that with you before. Mm-hmm. But um, I never wanted to be your downfall. Yeah. And I remember that that was a big thing for me. But you always pursued, you, like you were persistent. You pushed mm-hmm. past it. And I was like, man, this guy's really, like, who is this guy? (laughs) Who is this guy that, you know, can deal with all my foolishness and still be willing? And you were always so cool. Like, you were just such a cool guy. Like, you didn't get upset. You didn't look bothered. You were just always like, all right, you know, you're always just very cool. But you weren't a walkover. Like, you, it wasn't like you were a pushover and you were just letting me disrespect you. Like, mm-hmm. um, and for me, that was, that was impressive. That was, I think, what started to be attractive to me was mm-hmm. that you, you were willing to... You weren't trying to be my savior, mm-hmm. but you were, you were okay with being my friend through it. And I thought that was dope. Yeah. Um, I mean, because at, at the same time, I was fresh out of a relationship as well. Um, but it was good because, because of the fact that you were um, so resolute in, in what you wanted to do. Because you, you came here with, with a plan, which I thought was dope. You came here to get your life together, to go to school, finish college. And, uh, you know, when all that stuff started or when you, were, when you were pursuing it, you said, you know, like, I really want to focus on this. Yeah. Um, and you let me know. I appreciate I appreciated the honesty because you didn't like play with me. Like you let me know 
that you were attracted to me as well. So we knew from very, you know, very quickly that we had an attraction there towards an each other. There was an interest there. Yeah, yeah, there was interest there. So I knew I wasn't just friend zoning it, you know. <laughs> but at the same time, I was trying to be respectful of the fact that, you know, you, 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 you weren't ready for anything yet, you know. So you said you were damaged goods, and I never looked at you as damaged goods. You were just a diamond in the rough. And when I say rough, I mean rough. You know, it was some digging I had to do to get to the diamond that was you. Yeah. And uh, I was willing to do it because I saw the bigger picture of who you are. Even when you, I remember you would say things to me like, I never plan on getting married. I was like, yeah, that's because you never met the right person. Or yeah. I never plan on having children, you know, um, which that one I actually <laughs> thought was the real deal. But at the same time, I was like, I remember I told this person one time, another relationship that we got to see Bloom and that's Kevin and Stacey Hockenberry. I remember I told her one time, sometimes we think we know what we want, um, but God knows what we want better than we do. And you are a big uh, example of that. You know, you had your life pretty much planned out. So much so, I remember we watched that movie Family Man. And we oh, went, my God, remember we got into that <laughs> we argument? back and forth, yo, <laughs> Nicolas Cage, you know, he ends up, you know, he's pursuing his career, and he gets his, just a quick synopsis, and then he becomes this the family both of them. man. Yeah, he, yeah, he becomes this family man, and he's back with this girl that he was dating at one point or whatever, and has the best life, and then, like that, his life is snapped back into what it really is, and it's him being this businessman. And we argued about, was he happier as a businessman alone, or was he happier with a family? And I thought he was so happy as a family, and you thought he was happier as a businessman, you know, because well, the, even Well, what still, we were debating was, mm -hmm. should he have uh, continued, should they continue pursuing their careers, mm -hmm. or should they risk giving up their careers to be together and have a family? That was the debate. Uh, and I was about, no, I'm going to pursue uh, the career. career. And the you career. were like, I want to pursue family. Right. And so my response was, because if it's meant to be it's in my career, <laughs> we would eventually meet up anyway. Right, right. And you were like, no, like <laughs> family. And then, you, you know, you can build something together. And yeah. I was like, nah. <laughs> I mean, I was, a, I was a bit of a hopeless romantic. Like, you know, I would leave you flowers. Remember Valentine's Day? Oh, my God, Day, I like, know, babe. You were so stuff. awesome. You still are. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, I believed in all that stuff. And it's probably because I grew up around women, you know, just my mom and my sister. My dad wasn't there. So I knew what they liked. So it was always a part of me to be romantic. It was always a part of me to watch certain chick flicks. I can't watch all of them. <laughs> but watch the ones that are dope, you know, love story. Was loving basketball, you know what I mean? <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I mean, being romantic and all that stuff was, was a part of my DNA. Um, and I remember the first time, I, le I think I left a rose or something in front of your house. You had told me it was your birthday and it was already passed. Or I didn't have a chance to get you anything. I had already knew that I liked you, so I said, you know what, let me get her. I think it was a single rose, and I left it in front of your house. Yeah. You came home, told me you got it. And then you told me no one got you a rose before and I, or made the gesture or something to that effect. Um, and I was like, man, who has this girl been around? You know? Uh, you know, because, you know what I'm saying? You got good looking, you're not talking about. <laughs> so, I, you know, I just, I just was blown away um, that God had allowed you to make it all the way to me without um, allowing you to really 
see what it felt to be appreciated because that's appreciation. I mean, I would I would later on show you what love was, but but to be appreciated. It, I don't think it was that the the guys I dated didn't want to give me these things. Mm -hmm. I just because of who I was then, mm -hmm. I was so strong and stubborn and independent that mm -hmm. I didn't like men giving me anything because I felt that I would owe them something. Yeah, so And that all came from the sexual abuse and all that stuff. But yeah. I think that was tough for me because one of my uh, first boyfriends, I remember he, he bought me something for Valentine's Day. And I specifically told him, do not buy me flowers because I wasn't a flower person. Mm -hmm. And uh, he bought me he bought me a sweatshirt. Um, funny thing, I think I still have it. I saw it the, <laughs> that other the Philly sweatshirt yeah. you were wearing? It's in the garage, so whoever you are, she ain't wearing it no more, Poppy. <laughs> uh, so he bought me that and he bought me like you know just stuff just just stuff that for me was like wow this is dope I remember yeah. with you you gave me that flower you listened a lot because I remember uh, you knew it was my birthday and at that time we had just met like I was here maybe two weeks mm -hmm. but I remember um, we were there was a group of us and we were talking and I was like I just want someone to buy me flowers or, some, or something like just because it's a Wednesday or something. Mm -hmm. And I remember a few weeks later, I oh, come yeah. home mm -hmm. and there's a bouquet of flowers at my front door and the card says, just because it's Wednesday. And I was like, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's weird. I was, it was intriguing, but it wasn't, it was kind of like, all right, you know, I'm gonna yeah. put that in my back pocket, <laughs> but I'm still not trying to get yeah. with, with this guy. I remember I went to New York um, when you first moved here. We were friends, you know, and I remember I bought uh, a pair of sneakers. It was the first credit card I had. <laughs> I bought myself a pair of New Balances, and I was like, you know what? Let me let me get her something from New York. I got you some New Balances, and uh, I brought them home. I gave them to you, and you you looked at them, and you was like, what is this? And I was like, oh, it's a pair of sneakers. Um, he was like, you didn't have to buy this for me, and I said, I know, I didn't. I know I didn't have to. I wanted to buy it for you, and you was like. You told me, now I get it. At the time, I didn't get it. I, I was like, what is wrong with this girl? You said, don't buy me anything. I don't want you buying me stuff. And then you went on to say, that in the past, I've gotten people to get me things. Have you said playing them or something? I forgot what the word Juice them. Juice, you juice them up. Mm. Um, and me being the way that I was, you know, you met me, I was Christian and stuff. You said that to me, and it was almost as if you said it to me like... <laughs> I didn't know what that meant or it was like a new thing to me or whatever. And I told you, I said, you're not going to juice me or whatever it is you're talking about. I just wanted to get you something. Uh, and then you were like, don't get me anything because I don't want to uh, be tempted to, to do this to you. <laughs> I was like, man, this girl is really <laughs> from some other stuff, you know? And, uh, I, you know, I quickly put that in the back of my brain. I was like, all right, no more of this stuff. And then you didn't buy me anything for 10 years. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> Then I, I didn't, yeah, I, I, I refrained from buying certain things like that um, and kept it to, you know, real small things. But, you know, that was a part of your past and that was your comfort, comfort level. And uh, that was a fight, you know. At the time I was too immature, but at the same time I was mature enough to know what fights to pursue with you and what to just let mm -hmm. slide until it worked itself out. So. It's fun, baby. We had like some adventurous. I know crazy we've had stuff. an adventure since day one. Yeah, this life has been awesome. We were dating. Mm -hmm. uh, in the middle of us dating, you uh, get asked to go to Honduras 
to go to Honduras oh, on yeah. a missions trip. Mm-hmm. I almost killed everybody. <laughs> <laughs> for that, for the Honduras. Remember you? Well, you went on the trip, I think, yeah, and then the you came back and were like, "Hey, uh, yeah. I really want to do this missionary thing." And I was like, "What?" <laughs> yeah. I love. I love. Um, you know, we we've had a interesting journey. You know, I think God has um, definitely used every piece of our relationship mm-hmm. and like I, I'm able to see it now that we're older like so many of the pieces especially with traveling like what was that like for you because we were in I think we were dating I think it was like maybe two years or something yeah. I was traveling a lot with my job mm-hmm. at the time mm-hmm. and then you right I think yeah, so yeah. Yeah, yeah and then you started traveling so part of me was like oh this kind of works because I'm never here anyway mm-hmm. but then it was kind of like ah you know, are we going to break up? Like, what does that look like? And then it was different because I was traveling for work. You were traveling for Jesus. So <laughs> that seemed way more important yeah. than what I was doing. What was that journey like for you with you and Juan and the guys? Um, it was good. You know, it was, uh, it was crazy because, you know, when we went to Honduras, we just went to do one trip, you know, and growing up, missionary work was never anything that I wanted to do Um, but when I went to Honduras it became clear really quickly that you know this was like a cool thing that God allows people to do (laughs) so we had only been out there for um, you know two weeks or so and um, when we came back I was like, that was a dope trip. That was, you know, I had done mission trips before, like to New York and stuff, but they weren't real mission trips. So when I did this one and came back, um, it took me a little while to really figure out what had happened. And then the organization invited us to like this celebration night. And I saw this video of all these other places that these other teams had went to and they prayed and they, you know, I think they knew what they were doing by inviting us to that. But they prayed over us. When I say us, there's a rap group I was in called Us MCs. Consisted uh, of Juan Vidal, rap dad, shout out. And uh, Danny Oh, yeah, Pedraza. shout out to Juan. He's releasing a new book. We'll talk about that later. New book, new book. Um, um, they prayed over us, and we all left there with the same thing on our heart. Like, yo, are we supposed to do this? God, are you call- really calling us to be missionaries? We never, ever, ever, ever wanted to do anything like that. I never had a desire to go to indigenous countries and <laughs> be walking around in the jungle and all that stuff. But like God does, he wrecked my whole life. I had just gotten a brand new forerunner, uh, had payments, had a great job at the time. And God said, leave all that stuff alone and I need you to pursue this. And then they tell me that, you know, if you do pursue this year and a half of missions work, well, it's supposed to be six months to turn to a year and a half. Um, you have to break up with your girlfriend. No ties. You need to allow God to whatever, whatever. I was like, eh. <laughs> I come and I tell you this story. You're like, what in the world kind of organization is this? That's a cult. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I mean, I don't think we ever really broke up, broke up. We obviously, you know, remained friends and disobedient. Disobedient. That's <laughs> <laughs> when I came home from the missus, just boy, you know, talking about girl. <laughs> He was hanging out lovely, um, <laughs> holding hands, kissing, and all He's that stupid. other stuff that you know dating people do. 
But uh, yeah, when I was on the missions field, we went to Russia. Was my first trip when I was had committed, and uh, God allowed me to go. He, you know, I, it was a struggle with my mom. She didn't want me to go at first, and then I, you know, I just prayed that God would give her a heart to know, and just like that, she was like, "I know you're supposed to do this. You have a burden for it. I've never seen you this, uh, you know, troubled about anything other than going to the NBA, which <laughs> that didn't happen." So she knew that it was real. And uh, once I got that release from her, the car payment situation worked out with my friend Jacob. Um, it was all good. So when I was in Russia, the first, the first week or two, I just was like, wow, God, you have me exactly where you want me to be for exactly what you want me to be here for. And I went from Russia. We was in Russia for six weeks. We came home for a couple weeks, and we were back out. And I remember Scotland was when I... You really encountered the Lord. It was the first time that I was in front of people talking about Jesus, uh, preaching a message. It, it never, I had never done anything close to that, not even close to that before. And uh, I was able to do it. I was only 21, 22 at the time, you know. And here I was preaching a message to a bunch of Scotland people, and they were listening to me. And I was like, God, this is crazy. And because of that experience alone, uh, and my experience doing missions, it changed my life. It made me more confident in the Lord. It helped me to realize what favor is all about. And the biggest thing is it helped me to see God on a much bigger platform. It wasn't just about going to church, going to choir. You know, God is in everything. He wants to be in everything, whether you open a cafe or you, you know, have a book or you're writing a rap song or you are in construction. God has a way of using it all if we allow him to do it. And uh, I met some great men and women of God. I had some crazy experiences. I've never been so scared in my life, never been so happy in my life. Um, other than those, I mean, up until that point, obviously I got to be a little bit happier when I married you, baby girl. <laughs> but uh, all of my experiences were on an extreme there. You know, I had a skinhead situation that, challenged my faith in God there um, that I always talk about but that experience uh, helped me with everything it helped me listen to God when I got back from the missions trip you know it was hard for us dating you know like uh, we were so far from each other and internet wasn't like it is now <laughs> you had to go to an internet cafe maybe people don't know what that two, is two or three weeks would go by mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'd get an email and it's like two sentences <laughs> yeah you know I had like five minutes in the internet cafe to write whatever I could. So, hey, babe, how you doing? Hope all is good. Yo, it's crazy out here. A skinhead just tried to kill me. Blah, 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 blah. These people got saved. This little boy, blah, blah, blah. This little girl, you know, you whatever I'm saying. And uh, it, it took a toll on us. So when we got back to the States, like, um, I didn't know if we would last. I didn't know what, what was next. I didn't know if I was going to be going back to England to be a missionary. Um... <laughs> But I prayed, God, as soon as I see this girl, I need to know if this is something that needs to continue or if, uh, you know, we need to move on with life and allow you to do whatever it is that you have for us. And it was like, as soon as I saw you, because I spoke to you on the phone and I wasn't impressed. You know, we, we weren't impressed with each other, I would say. We just wasn't feeling it. <clears throat> Where's the love? But as soon as I saw you, I was like, oh, snap. God just opened up my heart like the freaking Red Sea. <laughs> so I think 
that part of the story is crazy because mm-hmm. you were in what was the last trip? I think you were in England, England was right? The last trip. I was in England at the same time. Oh yeah. And I was like, hey, why don't you guys try to come see me? I think I was, I don't know, maybe an hour away from you guys or something. <clears throat> but for whatever reason, we weren't able to meet up. I came back to the states. Um, and I remember, well, prior to that, we were in Pennsylvania together. And I remember you were oh, leaving yeah. to the airport. And I remember we had a talk and we were like, listen, can't guarantee if we're going to be together, but let's just see what happens, right? Mm-hmm. We both go to Europe. You're wherever you're at. I'm where I'm at. Uh, we end up in England at the same time. I come back to the States. I'm here dealing with whatever it is I'm dealing with. Mm-hmm. You're dealing with whoever you're dealing with over there. <laughs> <laughs> And then uh, I remember going, I get called to go to Alaska and I call you and I land at the airport. And I remember we talked on the phone. I called you. I think Mm -hmm. you had like just gotten back into the States like Mm -hmm. a week or so prior. And I remember you were like, hey, stop by my house. And I was like, it's like really late. I think it was like 11 o'clock at night or something. You're like, yeah, but I really want to see you. So I was like, okay. No, you said I need to see you. Mm -hmm. So I was like, all right. And I remember driving. And we weren't feeling each other on the phone. And I was like, wow, I think this thing is really done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was okay with it. Mm-hmm. But I remember being in the car and I was praying. And I said, God, I don't really know where we're at. I'm kind of over it. But if this is really the guy that I'm supposed to be with, like, I need to know as soon as I see him if this is who I'm supposed to spend the rest of my life with. And it's crazy because you were praying the same prayer. Mm-hmm. And I get to your house, I open the door, and I started crying. Do you remember that? Because I'm not a crier, so you should remember that. Yeah, yeah, crying, yeah. I was so overwhelmed with love for you. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. my God, we I'm going to marry this guy. We hugged, right? we hugged and- yeah, we hugged, and then you yeah. told me, you know, we talked and about what God was doing in our life. Yeah, yeah. But I thought that was such a powerful um, piece because, you know, we had gone through, I think it was like two years of traveling, right? A year and a half or so mm-hmm. that you were doing that. And so that we were able to have that experience and then still see see what i'm saying you pursue the call you pursue the career and if it's meant to be god will bring you back i was right <laughs> about the call of god yes about the career. <laughs> and then he brought us back together babe yeah and now look 14 years later two babies we've traveled the world together we've sold five albums together we've recorded five albums together We've traveled, we've performed in front of thousands of people. We've been able to impact thousands of lives together. Mm -hmm. Did you ever think that this is what your life would be? No, no, not at all. Um, You know, I talk about it in a song I have called Numbers, where just growing up where I grew up, it was just, all this stuff is a far cry from what I thought uh, in my small thinking I would be able to accomplish at this point. I have a group of kids that I meet with on Tuesdays. Um, They're inner city, or not inner city, but I guess at-risk youth from the Pompano area. And uh, one of the things that I always tell them is, you know, like, I look at my life, my wife, my kids, um, the house that we live in, uh, the church we go to, the opportunities that have been given, and I'm just blown away. I get blown away <laughs> at my own life. I don't know if that <laughs> happens to people other than Kanye West. <laughs> I get blown away <laughs> uh, at my own life because I know where I come from. I know mm-hmm. the things that uh, I started out with, and 
you know, to see all this happen now and to see, you know, the influence that we've had as a couple, God knew what he was doing. I mean, because I'm sure, you know, we could have went against him and just chose other lives. And with God, he would have probably sewed it up together and made it work, but it wouldn't have been this great. Mm. So to answer your question, no. Never thought <laughs> in a million years that this would be my life. And I'm so thankful for God. I would, like, I, I, before we started the interview, I sat back on this couch, looked out this window, and just said, man, it's days like this. I just sit here and just go, man, thank you, Lord. This life has been a Because we're actually sitting doing this podcast. <laughs> yes. We are sitting in our sitting room. Mm-hmm. Uh, our house has this huge window that mm-hmm. overlooks the pool. And my son and my goddaughter and her father are in the pool mm-hmm. enjoying their Saturday. It's awesome. Raphael. <laughs> Husband of Nadine Raphael, but God is the book. The yeah, Bible. shout out to Nadine with her new book. Ooh. Ooh. And and the other thing is like I was talking to someone about this yesterday like yesterday I'm talk I'm on a on a message chat uh one has a book coming out. They're printing 50,000 copies of his book. Um some million dollars worth of books they're they're printing for him to sell. Um Another friend, Gavi, has just released a, a record. I have another friend, Ray King. He just released this super-duper dope music video, social club. It seems like everyone around me, even the guy in the pool, <laughs> Ben's, you know, his wife, we are surrounded by people who are doing great things. And I'm not talking about regular great things. I'm talking about dreaming things, you know? Um, and it's just good to surround ourselves I don't even know if we've done it on purpose, but even the youth pastors I've worked with, I mean, everybody we know is doing something crazy um, because of the Lord in their life. Hmm. Nothing even regular. Um, And that's a testament to, you know, you got to surround yourself with people that are doing great things because it's going to make you Mm -hmm. do great things. You know, look at you. Look at you, girl. (laughs) God brought me into your life. so Exactly. You know, I wouldn't be on none of this stuff. But, uh, yeah, man, God is uh, God is good. He's the best choice. Mm-hmm. I, well, that was a huge reason why I wanted to um, start the podcast, because I enjoy my conversations with everybody. Um, like, you and I have amazing, we dream together, mm-hmm. and sometimes you kill my dreams, but... Because you don't think like that, but... <laughs> buy a Bentley, yes. I'd kill that dream quick. <laughs> That'd be a I want to buy a car, babe. What kind of car do you want to buy? A Bentley. Uh, how about a Toyota? <laughs> yeah, a new Tesla. No. <laughs> no. Uh, but yeah, that's why I wanted to start. Because I always have amazing conversations with all of our friends. And we talk about this all the time. Mm-hmm. That how we're surrounded around some amazing people. And for me, well, you know me. I enjoy um, seeing people succeed. I enjoy, you know, especially when God allows me to be a part of their success. Like, that for me is just awesome. Mm -hmm. Um, And for me, it's just like just keeping these great people around us and even great people who have successful marriages, you know, around us. I think, um, Mm -hmm. you know, we've been, it's going to be 14 years (laughs) that we've been together. Not without any flaws. Not we've, a one. we've had some tough seasons in our <laughs> marriage, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think for me, what I appreciate about you and I is that we're honest about our failures and we're honest about mm-hmm. our successes. 
I love that we are able to talk to uh, young people, especially young couples, um, <clears throat> and just be honest, you know, with our struggles, stuff that we've dealt with. Um, you know, I think sometimes they're a little shocked, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. at some of the stuff we share with them. Mm -hmm. And they're like, there's no way that you guys have dealt with that. But I think for me, um, you know, I was sharing something with um, my friend, uh, Elena, right? Mm -hmm. I was talking to her this past weekend and um, I was telling her, I said, you know, it's so funny when I look back when I was younger and I was sharing some of my crazy stories of just being in these relationships. And, and I said to her, I said, you know, I was never really, I never really dated anyone that was horrible. Like everyone, they were, everyone was cool. And I was telling her, you know, and all Kanata's ex-girlfriends, they were actually all nice girls. Like I think we've both have had, mm -hmm. like our exes aren't horrible people. Right, right. <laughs> um, they just weren't, you know, and I was, I was sharing with her, I said, you know, I've, I've had some really decent people in my life, but when I see the life I'm living now and um, knowing what my passions are, none of the people that we were with would have ever been able to challenge us to thrive, to be who we are today. Wow. I probably would have been married, maybe had kids, probably would have been living okay in Pennsylvania, and I probably would have been okay with that. But when I think of the life that you and I have together, mm -hmm. I would have hated to like stand before the Lord and him say, your life is cool, but let me just show you what if, like, I would, that, would have, that would suck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think about that, you know, and I, you know, I, um, I'm able to appreciate, you know, even the tough stuff that you and I have gone through. Mm -hmm. um, and I think we, we, even with that stuff, we've had to go through that in order to be able to be successful in where we're at today. Yeah. It, it built character in our relationship. Um, and it, you know, it makes us, us stronger. And, and I've said it before. It's a scary statement to make, but I've made it before um, in front of young adults. And I told them, I don't. I really don't know what it would take. I don't know what the devil has up his sleeve, because <laughs> it would take a lot to even be considering um, ending anything like this, mm -hmm. or concluding it, or, or any of that stuff. I mean, now don't get me wrong. We still be fighting. I still be yeah, ready yeah, to we knock still you be out. Fighting, you know, but. still be acting crazy, girl. You know what I'm talking about? What is <laughs> what's what's one of your biggest pet peeves with me? Biggest pet. What drives peeves you crazy? Drives me crazy. Um, <laughs> Nothing. Sometimes you uh. talk. <laughs> you say things you don't need to say, or that are very obvious. Like yesterday. Some like Captain Obvious. Like yesterday, we got the car fixed, right? Uh-huh. We, we had a car situation, transmission fell out, and the whole thing was acting retarded. So we were going to go buy a brand new car, but it didn't make any sense because we would have uh, been in a hole and paid interest on what we owed on our car. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. So we decided to go ahead and, <clears throat> and fit the bill, pay for the transmission to get put in. We have a strategy and a plan that makes sense, and it's going to make our payments lower. And it's going to make it better for us. So we don't have to put as much of our savings into buying a brand new car. Mr. Frugal. Really. So yesterday, you know, you said all these things in regret. Like you regret doing the decision that we made. Because the car isn't driving as perfectly as it was before. Well, it has a new transmission in it. It has a new body part in it. It's like if you had a new heart. That heart has a certain amount of years to it. <laughs> so you got to drive it knowing 
the plan. But sometimes if you're frustrated or whatever, you just say, you say whatever comes, <laughs> not all the time. I mean, you're pretty good with, with I've gotten better. You got a lot better. But sometimes you still, you chat too much. You chat too much. <laughs> you know? Uh, but that's it, you know? Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's more. <laughs> we're growing every day. <laughs> we're changing every day there. And so am I. Uh, what is my pet peeve of yours? Ooh. Um... <laughs> I think what I get frustrated is this is just my impatience, and we we've talked about this in in uh, that counseling thing that we were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm learning that men and women think differently. We move differently, mm-hmm. but like when I ask you to do something mm-hmm. and you don't do it right away, I should say. Mm-hmm. But one thing that drives me crazy is that every day almost I tell you, can you make sure you turn that fan and the iron off? <laughs> And every day, it stays on. <laughs> and I'm so... <laughs> you know, the funny thing is, I don't, it's not like I forget. I know, it's just... I don't do it because I like the fan blowing in the room. But the fan is blowing in the room for 8 to 9 to 10 hours. <laughs> no one is in the room and you're wasting electricity. But and then I come in, but you want to hear the funniest part? I'll walk into the room mm-hmm. and that thing will be on. And just because I'm pissed off, I won't turn it off. <laughs> like if I'm hurting somebody. <laughs> This freaking guy never turns this freaking fan off. And it's a nice hum. Provides a nice hum. What is it humming? Who is it humming to? Nobody's here. Okay, you want to get real? Because we're going to get real, real with you. See, the hum creates a nice sound. Okay? Yeah, while you're you're sleeping. But if you, but. But nobody's here. If we're, if nobody's (laughs) at the house. No one's here. No one's here. Then I guess that makes sense. But when you walk in the room and the fan's on, it's a big difference than when it's not. The air. It does absolutely nothing for me. See, for me it does. The yeah, but air you're not in the room. Air. But when I walk in the room and the fan is on. You got problems. The, the air is blowing. It feels like life is no, happening No, it feels like allergies. <laughs> <laughs> the stagnation feels like death. No, like it doesn't. That's room. why we have windows. You open up the windows and let but the fresh air blow. But I usually the blinds are pulled. Even no, the big windows, I open the, 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 I open the windows. Uh, so you need to turn the fan so off. Turn the fan off. What about the iron though? I leave the iron on for you. No, you don't. I don't even iron you. my clothes. <laughs> <laughs> you iron for me. I don't even iron my clothes. You iron that junk. You better do iron most of your clothes. You do. That's what makes you awesome. <laughs> so, babe, we have two beautiful children. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I love seeing you with my kids. You love seeing with your kids? I love seeing you with my kids. I remember when we were dating. This is probably going to sound so shallow and stupid, but whatever. Mm -hmm. I remember picturing you. I think we were at like a cookout or something. And um, I remember you were carrying someone's kid. I don't really remember who it was. Actually, I think it was Goldie. I think it was uh, um, Alitia. One of those times that we were at the beach and remember when SC and them used to have like their get togethers at the beach or whatever. And I think you were carrying her. And I remember picturing you like, I wonder what that he would look like carrying one of my kids. Would he be like one of those dope looking fathers that got like these really fresh sneakers on with some <laughs> shorts and a Phillies hat. Like mm-hmm. that. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was picturing you. I was envisioning you like that. Like if you would look like that as my husband and mm-hmm. being my the father like mm-hmm. that was interesting to me as long as you were going to look cute being a father mm-hmm. and that's what you look like oh. and I, <laughs> I was waiting it. for you to say I didn't <laughs> look like that because we was going to have a straight up fight on this 
podcast. No, but I love it. I love when you're with the kids. I love how much care that you put into making sure they look fresh. Mm-hmm. Love it, love it, love it, love it, love it. It's Kevin Hart. He scarred me. <laughs> he talked about his family looking crazy as a unit. And I was like, you know what? My family needs to look uh, presentable. And not just that. I just want them to, you know, take pride. I want them to learn at a, at a very young age. Um, something that I learned at a young age. Because I don't know. Grow, growing up in New York, like, this is going to sound bad for people that are, I guess, from the South as, as much. But in, in New York or up North... For the most part, if you leave your house to go out, you kind of like... You look like something. Yeah, you got to put yeah. yourself together. I learned that moving down to Florida. I was like, wow, and culture here is very different. because there's so many people on the street. Like, you don't walk out of the house and not see people on the street. Here, you walk out of the house and there's no one around. Yeah. There's just cars driving. So I get why it happens, but in this culture that we live in now, you know, we go to the mall and this. We was in the mall the other day. Remember the guy had his pants like pulled down to the point his boxes. Oh my everything god! Everything was hanging yeah. out. Yeah, he was like, yo, like, and he was young. He didn't know any different, I guess, because maybe that's where he comes from. But I want my kids to know that, like your heart, like you know who you are on the inside, your appearance does matter. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I'm not being uh, material or what's it shallow. I'm talking about. I'm not talking about being pretty. I'm talking about being neat, carrying you know? yourself, carrying well. yourself yeah. well, you know, you know, making sure that you, you know, you need a haircut, go get a haircut, you know, yes. um, if your hair is looking crazy, you know, snatch it up, <laughs> you know, just, just little things because that stuff counts, um, for a lot of different reasons. It can make your life. So harder. I think, you know, how do you feel about that? You know, especially with stuff that's going on in society now with, just all this racial stuff. We're an interracial couple that sometimes we forget, right? I'm Puerto Rican, Latina. You are Jamaican, Jamaican black. black. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, we don't really feel that here in South Florida. We yeah. don't feel the, the, the change in the difference in culture. Mm-hmm. We usually feel it when we leave. Mm-hmm. Where were we that time? I think we were in Oklahoma or something, and someone says, said to us, uh, oh, so, oh, he says, so you guys... Um, you guys, what did he say? Uh, something about do we um, focus on uh, interracial couples at our church? And we were well, like, someone came to our church, and we were like, Oklahoma what? And said that. <laughs> we yeah, were like, said, what? You guys know, tend to focus, or you have you promote you promote said, interracial, promote interracial, and we were like, what? Dating and couples <laughs> and whatever. But how do you how do you like how do you deal with that, especially with stuff that's going on now? Like, what, have you been intentional with speaking to the kids about that? I know you and I kind of speak about it, but what has been your what has been your take in recent, you know, stuff that's been happening? Um. Well, to answer the question, um, I'm I'm pretty intentional, not too much, because you know the kids are so young now. You know, Zion is still four. He. Uh, he doesn't really get to, he doesn't really experience it just yet. You know, he still does, is colorblind. And Zoe's kind of coming into it a little bit, but even her, she's so innocent in the way that she views, you know, things. So that's why I harp on appearance, um, so that the appearance covers, you know, you need to be well kept, you need to respect people, you need to be polite, you need to um, be sure. You know, Zion, I'm always telling him, look at me when you're talking to me, look at people mm-hmm. in their face, let them know that you are serious, that whatever you're talking about, you mean it. We teach you them, know. yes, ma'am, yes, we sir. We teach them, yes, ma'am, yes, sir. He shakes hands. He, walk, he He's 
not allowed to walk in a room where a grown-up is there and not address them. You know, so those are certain things, and those are actually pretty southern things, actually, I will say that. But they're important because respect is respect will get you a long way no mm-hmm. matter what color you are. Um, but I know that I, I know and am preparing myself to have a conversation with him because, like I told this guy at work, you know, he wasn't understanding the, uh, you know, why everybody was in an uproar about, you know, these people getting shot by police officers and why are black people making it a thing. And I told him, we're not making it a thing. I said, but you as a Jewish white guy, um, you're going to have a much different conversation with your son than I am. And he said, well, what do you mean? I said, the simpleness of being pulled over by a police officer. I said, when you get pulled over a police officer, what do you do? I said, I show my license and registration. I kid and joke with him. You know, I just goof up. You know, he's just a normal guy doing a job. I said, that's awesome. I said, I can't afford to goof off with a police officer. If he's there, I got to be super polite. My hands got to be on the dashboard or on the uh, steering wheel. I got to speak very clearly to him. I got to turn down my music. There's a lot of things that are going through my mind because because of what it is, you know? What happened to you that one time? And because of what, yeah, what has happened to me specifically, mm-hmm. you know, it, 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 it changes everything. And I have, I'm, I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not Mr. Pro, uh, pro black civil rights in, in the, in the, uh, in this current time regime we're in right now. Of course, I know a lot about civil rights and grew up on all that stuff. And, um, but that's not who I am in the fact that I have a lot of white friends. I have Spanish friends. I have Chinese friends. And I just like that. I like being in different cultures because I think that's how we're supposed to be. Um, but at the same time, I, it's not like I can't, uh, I don't have the the right to act like this stuff doesn't affect other black people and myself because it has. So with him, with my son, you know, like and my daughter, we're coming to a time where I'm going to have to have a conversation with them that, you know, not that you're different, not that you're better, but know that um, whenever you walk into to a room, you're not any better than anyone else, yep. but no one else is better than you. Yep. And that is, that is very important for me to, to drive home to them. And I think that's just, you know, we have pretty strong-willed kids. I mean, these kids <laughs> go to play and they'll, it's very Zion to play by himself. You don't need nobody. My daughter, if she's playing, she's leading, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and that's how I want them to stay, strong, influential kids. And I think, uh, I think they're at an advantage more than most uh, kids that look like them because of the life that we've, li- we've led, because of the fact that they have a strong belief in Jesus and the mm-hmm. things that we believe, even at their young ages. I mean, Zoe's going to be a... She's going to change the world. Um, but because of those things, they're at an advantage to be influencers for other kids their age and other kids that look like them. Zoe and I went for a walk the other day. I was telling her, um, she says to me, well, isn't our house bigger than the house that you grew up in? And I said to her, yes. And that was always my goal. Mm. Uh, Because I remember when I was young, my dad was big on legacy. And he was always big on making sure that what I did was going to be better than what him and my mom did. Mm -hmm. 
and I've always carried that. You know, my dad always, you know, growing up, he'd always say, um, you know, three things I always got from my dad was don't ever be with a guy because you need to be with him. Be with a guy because you want to be with him. The other thing was you're always going to work harder because you're Latina, you're a woman, Mm -hmm. and you're a Christian. Mm. And he used to always say, so don't ever let anyone make you feel like you're less than. And so those are the things that I've always carried with me. And he'd always, you know, make sure that we knew, you know, that I knew you have to do better than what we did. You know, so my dad, his his accomplishment was that he moved us out of, of out of the ghetto. Right. Mm-hmm. I was one of the few out of all my friends that grew up in a middle class neighborhood. Now, mm-hmm. I didn't know till like now that I'm adult, the struggle they had to go to to make sure that you know my brother and I lived this good life and I appreciate it you know Mm -hmm. but for me now it's like me and Kanata have to make sure that we give our kids a better life than what we had so that when they have kids it's always you're constantly pushing the limit for them and I do I want my kids to feel like they're growing up with an advantage but not to the point that they feel that they're spoiled and that we don't that we're not real with them and I think, you know, talking, having that convo with Zoe as to why we felt like we wanted to, her to grow up here, you know, why I wanted her to grow up in this type of neighborhood, you know, having a pool, making sure she had friends of different colors, um, because I grew up in a predominantly white school mm-hmm. and I felt Puerto Rican every day. Like, <laughs> I don't want my kids to feel that. And I've learned, too, that that's not the norm, you know, like yeah. what these kids are growing up here. That's not the norm in America. Um but that's why I, I love that we've been intentional with a lot of that stuff. Like even the school we send them to, like mm-hmm. making sure it's not a predominantly anything school. Uh, I love the diversity in the school. I love that all the teachers are different nationalities. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that God has blessed us that we're able to send them to a private school and that they're learning about the Lord. And one thing I love about Zoe is that <clears throat> we've given... Um, one thing that I, my bad, sidebar, <laughs> learn, you know, Will and, Will and Jada Smith, I love watching their family. I've, you know, paid attention to different interviews that they've done, how they raise their kids. I remember thinking before, I was like, man, they're crazy that they give their kids so many, they, they gave them like so much freedom so early on. And I used to think that was crazy parenting. But now that we're parents, <laughs> I think we're raising kids in a different generation. Yeah. Um, the type of kids, you gotta know your kids, right? Mm-hmm. And our kids are so um, strong-willed, not in a bad way, like I enjoy giving them options, you know? Remember, Zoe got accepted to another school, uh, I think it was last year, and mm-hmm. we sat down with her and we said, hey, it's your choice. Like, do what you want to stay at the school you're at or do you want to go to this new school? And these are what, the, this is what the school offers, everything she wanted, performing mm-hmm. arts and, you know, this and that. There was more kids and whatever. And what did she say? Do they teach about Jesus? And I was like, uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) And she's like, well, why don't they teach about Jesus? And I'm like, well, it's not a Christian school. And and she's like, well, I don't want to go to a school that they don't teach about Jesus. And I remember I was like, well, you can go and probably, you know, you could be the one that teaches about Jesus. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, wait, I don't even think they can talk about Jesus at the school. Mm. And we gave her the choice and she chose to stay at a Christian school. And I thought it was huge of her. Um, and so for me, like I, I've enjoyed that part of parenting is that, I mean, everyone's different and I Mm -hmm. think we can't tell other people how to parent. We can just tell 
people what works for us. But um, I think with the experiences that you and I have had Mm -hmm. growing up, you know, you moved to Florida because, you know, you got stuck in a shootout. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, like, our kids will hopefully never experience anything like that, you know. Maybe a couple weeks ago I went to, uh, it was with Ben's, and we were going to go play pool. And he has a 13-year-old son. And he said to me, uh, I don't know if I could play pool because I don't know if I'm ready to leave Isaiah home alone at mm. 11 o'clock at night. And I told him, remember when we were kids? <laughs> you know, me and my sister had our first set of keys to our house. I was uh, seven. Yeah, she I would think I was eight, seven or eight. We would walk home from school, no mom, anything, let ourselves in the house, close the door behind us, there were crackheads on the roof. I mean, we just grew up in a time where you just needed to know the streets. You just needed to be aware, you needed to be street smart, and you needed to grow up a little bit. So I remember telling him that, and I said, listen, even though your son is 13 years old, and you may feel like he cannot be home alone, he needs to be. Like, there are certain things that we have to teach that we learn from our environment, you know, um, that we have to take authority on and teach so that we raise strong kids that are strong-minded uh-huh. as we are, um, but at the same time without robbing them of their innocence. You know, so I would never expect to give uh, Zion, you know, <laughs> Uh, a set of keys, you know, for our house at, at at this age. But there are certain things that I have to train him on now. Like I'm just, I have to teach him things that I think the world taught me. Um, but he needs to know so that he's not uh, caught off guard. Just street smart things, like you know, who to say, you know, hi to, who are strangers, what do strangers look like. You know, just certain things that I don't want him to become victim to or his, uh, his, his sister to come victim to. So I remember having a conversation with Ben's and telling him, hey, like, he's 13 years old, man. Like, <laughs> he has to stay home. And Ben's quickly realized, Ben's being from Brooklyn as well, grew up he's very like, similar that's to me. Right. He's like, yo, that's right, man. Like, so that's real. a good point. Do you think, because we, we all live in the same area, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think that, um, do you think that we're almost doing a disservice to our kids? Because we definitely grew up more independent. Like we were walking, yeah. I, I was walking alone young. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Do you think we're doing the kids a disservice by, because they're not really growing up street smart like right. we did, mm-hmm. right? Like, what do you think about that? Because you just said, well, I wouldn't give Zion a, a set of keys at seven. Like, why wouldn't we? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe because I'm looking at him and he's four years old now. I can't see him at seven. Well, think of Zoe. But She's eight. Zoe at this point, you know, um, I, think, I think we have to start introducing this stuff to her. Mm. Independence. Being able to, you know, come home, open the door, close the door by yourself. Make yourself something to eat. Um, and not just that, just kind of being able to, to analyze people. Because when you grow up in an area where, or, or in an environment where everybody's so after themselves, they don't care how old you are, they're just trying to get theirs and they have a selfish mentality, it forces you to see people. Mm-hmm. And that's the biggest thing, you know, not necessarily um, just knowing who criminals are. 
I want them to know who people are. Mm-hmm. I want them to know that God is awesome and he's perfect, but people are very unperfect. Mm-hmm. So I want my kids to know that people are going to, people are going to let you down, you know? Um, even me, as your father, will let you down one day, if not already. But God is the only constant that doesn't let us down. So how do we do that? I think we just have to be really, here's the word, intentional. <laughs> uh, you know, intentional on, on the way that we teach, the things that we show them, and, sh- and, and asking them the why questions. So even if you're watching a movie with your son, this, this uh, psychologist was telling me this the other day because our, our son had some behavioral issues in the uh, first part of the year that have subsided. Thanks, thank you, Jesus. He was smacking people up. Now he's good. <laughs> um, <laughs> My baby. But uh, she told me that, you know, when you watch these shows, even in cartoons, there's so much moral things happening. I mean, you don't even have to go outside and, you know, give your kid a key and leave them in a park and see what they do. Mm-hmm. You can show them things, you know. You you can do practice drills with them, like what I just said. You can leave them in a park, say, hey, that's what I want you to do. I'm going to leave you over here. Go find a police officer. Tell them uh, that you're, you're missing your dad. Like, you can do things like that to train your kids. Because I wouldn't want my son to be trained if someone comes into his high school with a, mm. a, a gun. I don't want him to just be listening to these authority Teachers. figures. I want him to know, have a mind of his own, because I would. You know, if someone would have broken into my school in high school, I would have reacted different than all the other students because of the way that I was raised. Mm-hmm. You know, I would have been way more um, paranoid and efficient on getting myself out. Uh, or at least I'd like to think so. Um, so those are the types of things. So when you're watching these shows, when you're watching film, when you're watching cartoons with your, with your, with your kids, you got to ask them why. You know, why do you think that just happened? Why do you think uh, that person's bad? Why do you think that person's good? You know? Because there's so many gray areas to bad and good that our society has created. Uh, we have to kind of help our kids identify that and then give them an opportunity to be thinkers on their own. You know, they have to be able to really analyze a situation, not just say, oh, what would mommy do? No, well, why is that happening? How do I feel about that? Where's the danger? Is this dangerous? Should I be scared? Should I not be scared? What should I do? Should I move? Like, all of these questions should be should become verbatim for them, and the only way we do that is by intentionally raising them. And I think that's the thing um, I think I always battle with mm. because we grew up street smart, but I think it was just because we were forced to deal with yeah. situations. It wasn't like I don't think it was that our parents didn't want to have those convos; they just couldn't. <laughs> they mm-hmm. were busy doing life, you know, working yeah. and. And and so I think we we grew up in in a situation where it's like you gotta fend for yourself until I get home, mm-hmm. and I can't be home when you come home from school. You know, mom and dad is not picking you up mm-hmm. in an SUV and waiting in this <laughs> line of cars. You know, it was like, yo, you gotta walk home from school. You gotta go catch the bus. You gotta hop on the train. You gotta mm-hmm. do whatever you gotta do. I don't care what you do. Get home. Mm-mm. Use the house key. Get in the house. Go do your home. Like you had, you were home for two, three hours by yourself. Like now, our kids. I mean, I pick them up every day. So I think for me, that's always a, a struggle. It's like, because I think we can have these conversations. But what about the kids that we deal with? Right? Mm-hmm. You deal with the kids at the Rock. They don't have what we're giving Zoe and Zion. So it's like they're they're growing up differently because they're forced to be put in these situations of. Mm-hmm. 
you know, they're they're being forced to have street smart, not out of, you know, because their parents want them to be. It's just like, yo, yeah, I got to work. Gotta, you yeah, got to figure it out. Figure it out. Mm-hmm. So I think for me, it's, that's always the, the struggle. Because remember, I didn't want my kids to go to private school at all. I yeah, was yeah. like, I, you know, I, I said, still, you know, at some point, school. I said, I tell Zoe all the time, listen, don't get too comfortable. You go to public school. Absolutely. In high school, you need that public school experience. I need her to get into one good fight. You need, need, yeah, you need to get the shell cracked. You know, you need to really um, get in an environment like where you're surviving. Like you have to be able to survive an environment, um, making good decisions in uh, stressful, you know, circumstances. I remember one time I was in middle school. And um, this is what street smarts do. I was playing basketball. I had a champion jersey on. It was dope. Actually, I think it was high school. I was here. I was here already. It was high school, and I was playing basketball in a park I had never been before. But because of the way that I am, and because I'm always paranoid, if I'm playing with strangers, I know that they're strange. You know, we're playing basketball, good shot, all that stuff. None of that means anything because I don't know you. Yeah. Um, so the niceties can cloud everyone's vision, especially kids, because they think, oh, this person's nice to me or whatever. So anyways, they were nice, they were cool or whatever, but I remember playing ball, and one of them said, I saw them whispering, and I heard the guy say, yo, man, just go snatch that off of him, man. And the dude was big that was talking about taking my jersey from me. So, you know, with, with, with that being said, I, I put it in my mind, I kept on playing, but I knew that at the end of the game, these guys were gonna plot to jump me to take my jersey. Crazy. So, um, I was outnumbered, so I could have done two things. I could have um, ran blatantly, or I could have just fought them to get my to to. And even though still probably got my jersey taken, but at least fought for myself. Yeah. Or I could have done something that Streets Smart told me, which is, I'm gonna play it cool, even after the game, and I'm gonna keep playing basketball. And then what I'm going to do is go on the other end of the basketball court right, right next to them. And then I'm going to take a shot where I'm shooting from whole court. And I know I'm going to miss, but my ball is going to go so far that I have to run and get it. So I'm going to shoot the ball. I'm going to run and get the ball. I'm going to grab the ball. And I'm going to be like, all right, y'all, I'm out. I'm going to jump the fence and go home. Now I'm so far away from them, they can't run after me. They're going to look stupid, and I don't look like I'm scared of them. I just left the basketball court. But yeah. now when I come back, I'm coming back with friends. So that's me avoiding all situations. I'm not, you know, running away. I'm not fighting people just because I need to strategic fight. Strategic and stuff. <laughs> str- yeah, <laughs> strategic. And I got out of that situation and brought my friends back to play and never had any sort of issues with anybody. You know, but that's the stuff that you can't really... Um, I have my cousin April fight all my fights with me. <laughs> April, you, come, could you come knock this girl out for me. She's, you know, uh, and, and obviously there's a time there's a time to fight as well, yeah. you know, and I, I want my kids to know that as well. I don't want to raise no suckers. No chumps in a small right. house. No suckers and no hoodlums. I want them to be smart kids that give and get respect and love Jesus. You just sound like you wrote a song. <laughs> Bars. Speaking of songs, so um, you've been getting a lot of amazing placements lately. Ooh. So you've been doing some TV and film placements. Mm-hmm. We've been that was our goal that we set a couple of years ago, and it's happening. How are you feeling about that? 
Because you're you've, you're still doing music, but you, you've transitioned, right? You mm -hmm. did USMCs. You became Raymond Soul with your mm -hmm. beautiful wife. We traveled the world together. That's Crazy right. experience. It was awesome. <laughs> Shout out to Juan Love. Yep, we yep. Uh, separated mm -hmm. for a little bit. Everyone's focusing on their own solo endeavors. And then actually everyone's solo endeavors ended up being amazing. So mm -hmm. everyone's thriving in that. You are now thriving in this music side of licensing. How do you feel about that? It feels good, you know, like I was telling someone the other day, actually a, a group of artists, um, all of them, Social Club, Gavi, Ray King, Chino, and, and Juan, um, and some pastors actually, I was telling them like, this is so crazy because the placement allows longevity in, in music. You know, in music, music is a very in your face thing, you know, especially hip hop music, you know, people yearn to be in front of audiences. Mm -hmm. When you've done it already, uh, and you've done it, quite a bit it, it the allure of it is kind of um not that it's not there because i still would do like performing but it's not important before it was it seemed like the most important thing to be able to perform and get in front of your fans and uh you know do all that stuff um but there's a lot that comes with that mm -hmm. traveling you know having to leave on a whim to go do some show somewhere um, sometimes your choice in, the, in taking the show can be monetarily, you know, you're taking it because you need money, not necessarily because you want to take it or you want to be in front of that particular type of crowd. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes not even because you feel like the Lord called you to, to go there. Like you, you just need money and you figure out. Oh, Do you feel like when we were doing Raymond's Soul, mm -hmm. we got to a point that we felt like that? Yeah, I think so. You know, because um, I, I was talking about when I started doing 1997. There was less uh, less weight on it. Like mm -hmm. I could do what I wanted to. It felt it more fun freeing. Again. Yeah, it was fun again. Uh, if it didn't go well, it wasn't gonna kill me. You know, I had a job. You know. Uh, so when you're writing for a movie or you're writing for a, a show, and the person that wants you to write it are mm -hmm. giving you an idea of what you were writing about, oh, it's cake, because now you have the idea. It's fresh, um, and when you get to do it in this capacity. You can do the music, you can put it out. It gets um, notoriety, which is something that everybody wants. You know, in your insecure artist world, you want notoriety and um, validation from other people. And when you get the validation from a movie trailer house that your song is good enough to make sense with their movie, you know, that's a big thing. That means you're communicating properly and whatever it is that you put into it, um, they're really enjoying enough to pay you. To be able to do this, man, is like, I was telling them, going back to what I was saying, what I was telling them is everyone has a age limit. Even, you know, Drake said something the other day, like, I'm going to, I would have retired by then. He was talking about rapping at 35 years old or 40. He said, I'm going to be retired by then. Will he? Probably not. But it's a thing to say that you're done with rap music specifically at a certain age. Um, well, when you do placements, there's no, yeah. <laughs> there's no age range on that. I can do this for the rest of my life and never be in front of a stage or never have to be yeah. in front of a stage and still make a very good living for myself. And even if it's not about me making a living, I get to do music. Yeah. And I get people to appreciate it and like it and listen to it. You know, so this has been a dream every time we get one whether it's a small mtv placement which isn't a small one it's gonna say yeah, uh, it's not that small. but but you know people range it uh based on a lot of things what's what's small what's not yeah. 
Um, but with all that being said, whether it's a small placement or a big placement, you are just you are having someone play your music to a movie or a show that everyone is watching or a lot of people are watching, and it's like, what's better than that? <laughs> and then the things that I'm talking about are still the same. It's not like I'm yeah. talking about hopeless things. I'm still talking about hope. I'm still talking about the attributes that I've learned, um, having a moral compass, and ultimately, you know, uh, the love I have for God and the things that he loves. You know, and I'm communicating that on a song that says money and power in the hood. <laughs> That's great, yep. you know. Um, so it's, it's really been, it's been I get, crazy. I get people that ask me all the time, people in the industry and artists and stuff, like, you know, how are you guys getting these placements? And None of your business. <laughs> None of your business. Uh, no, but, you know, we get asked often, right? I get asked all the time about how we do it. You know, can can I help them get placements and stuff? And um, a lot of I think a lot of people have a misconception of what it is. Uh, everyone thinks that their movie should <laughs> their song should be in a movie. They're like, oh, but a P, grab this song and go get this place. I was like, that's not how this works. But um, that's how we started off, right? We gave them our catalog and we're like, mm-hmm. hey, take whatever. And then we ended up building relationships, and MTV loved us mm-hmm. and. Um, little by little we've built relationships and now we're at a place where it's like now they're calling us for custom songs right yeah which was always our goal and I I think it's uh it's dope I was talking to um an artist the other day and he was asking me about it and I told him I said you know every everyone has to find their lane you know we went through a season of performing and traveling and doing all that and it was fun, you know, and I miss I miss the energy of the crowds. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely do miss yeah, that. Yeah. I, I don't think I miss anything else about it. <laughs> I don't know if I miss the traveling and the early the early flights and the pressure of having to get paid and where now what we're doing is completely sustainable. And it's just mm-hmm. like we're sitting at home and we're making money. <laughs> but <laughs> work smart, not hard. But, um, you know, I think. Um, I get asked all the time about it, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I share I share with people. Everyone has to find their own lane, and you know, some people are going to be artists that are, you know, they have the season of traveling and doing all that, which we, we did. Mm-hmm. But I think for you, um, what has impressed me is that um, you were always you were always at least for me in the group, you were always the one that challenged me to be better as a as an MC. Mm-hmm. Um, not just I was always confident with 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 my skill yeah um i was always confident with my content i was always confident with that stuff you always challenged me though when it came to um finishing something because mm-hmm. i was always the one that worked off of inspiration if i got inspired for 20 minutes and once that inspiration was gone i'm done like whatever mm-hmm. i got done in that 20 minutes is what we gonna hold on to and right. so i'm inspired again mm-hmm. like you will sit and listen to a beat over and over and over and over and over and i'd be like yo like i that how are you listening to this song for 17 hours <laughs> like um but that has actually what has made you successful in this licensing thing mm-hmm. because They'll call you, actually, like right now. They mm-hmm. called you, what, two days ago? Yeah. And they give you, like, this small window. They'll call you, like, on a Monday and say, hey, this is what we need. This is what it needs to sound like. This is what it needs to talk about. I need it Thursday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what has been impressive about you, and I've said this to you all the time, like, 
but I feel like you get better every song. Mm. You can sit and write a song in a day and not just some lazy song. Like you're mm. actually talking about something. The mm. wordplay is still there. Like the skill is still like it's still up to par with everything else. And you literally <laughs> on a Monday by Thursday, you will have a song mixed and mastered like so. And then we submit the song and they're like, oh, my God, this is amazing or whatever. And we mm -hmm. go and we make the changes. And within a week's time, mm -hmm. we uh, have a completed song. Not too long ago, the Money and Respect song, I think we had that done in, what, a week or two weeks. And then they were like, hey, we need the song to be released so we can part. It can mm -hmm. coincide with the launch on whatever. We got that song done in three days. In three days. And we got it out. So on my management side, mm -hmm. right, so that for me is always impressive about you. And that's why you've been successful. And I share that with artists. Like, Kanata's not getting these placements by look. Like, he's knocking these things out. Like, if you're not knocking these things out in a matter of a few days like they're not going to want you right which i believe that's why you've been successful along with the obvious god has definitely given us favor with it on my management side when i watch you work to that capacity when i have artists or labels tell me they can't do something it drives me nuts you can't do it or you're just not willing to put in the work to do it mm -hmm. right and my reference is you like my reference if my husband who has a family who's working who's doing all this stuff can knock out a song in a matter of four days mm -hmm. you can absolutely do this yeah make this thing happen for my artist and that for me um that's my bar you have set my bar very high when it comes to me dealing with people in business because especially on the creative side of stuff um it's funny like i remember i used to write and used to sometimes tell me, what are you writing for? <laughs> like, this is not for a to song. To write all the time. I used to just continue to write. Uh, Fern is very similar. Yes, he used to wake Fern up and writes write. all the time. Um, and I used to be like, I'm not wasting a I'm verse. I'm not wasting a verse, right. <laughs> Every verse is worth something <laughs> right. to me. <laughs> and the funny thing is, like, I was listening to Black Thought. Black Thought has the most epic freestyle of Ever. 2017, 18, in the last decade. Uh, where he was on Funk Flex. And... They asked him, like, how did you do that? Like, and he said, man, it's just years of, like, writing. I mean, it's nothing. He said, I, I commit to memory everything that I write. Anything I pen to paper, I commit to memory. And I'm not cut from the same cloth of these new MCs that just go in and they need to be, you know, inspired. And they need to just, he said, I was writing music before I had music. And, and in the same way, I just think, like, you know, because of, the work ethic in anything. Like Beyonce, I remember hearing about her dad taking her on runs, having her sing oh, yeah. while she was running two miles. Her voice got so amazing. Now, if anyone's been to a Beyonce show, you know it seems like she's tired, but she's still singing like she's lip singing. I mean, you don't, you've been, she doesn't miss a beat. Why? It's not talent alone. That's work. She worked at she it. She worked yep. at it. So it's the same thing. Like, I've worked at it so much. To write a verse is nothing, you know. To make it make sense and do the things that you need is a little bit of more thinking, but to write a verse is absolutely nothing at this point. But it's just because of the, the ethic I put into it. But the biggest thing is I made a, uh, I told the friend of mine, or the producer, his name is Al, he's been having a great year, landed two things with Rihanna, um, 
21 Savage, all these people, you know, he's just... And the thing I told him is, listen... Again, we're surrounded by amazing people. Yeah, so listen, <laughs> Al, when you... Uh, this year, I want you to do something you've never done. He said, what's that? I said, I want you to say yes to everything. And I don't mean everything. I mean the things that you know you want to do. Mm-hmm. Don't make an excuse for it. Just try to do it. Try to do... Even if you have... Someone tells you to make a beat and they need it in 30 minutes. Do it. And you are on a bus try to do it um and i said in us in this life the worst thing you can do is regret and i, I said i have some regrets i want to stay away from having any more mm-hmm. so if someone gives me an opportunity to go to, to you know to write in, in this particular sense to write a placement song and, and i only have two days to do it um if it if if my life allows me to do it if i have any free time to do it I want to give myself the opportunity to say at least I tried. <laughs> because if I don't, then I'm going to regret. Man, what if I would have just took that extra, you know, three hours I could have been sleeping and, and just went to the studio and just got a little less sleep that night? What if I did that? What yep. would happen? Where would I be, you know? Um, and that's just it. I mean, I, I just don't want to regret anything, so I try to do everything, you know, that, that's Even if it doesn't me. result in anything, at least you know you did it. Exactly. God puts pressure in our lives for a reason yeah. and stress. Because some of the time, a lot of the time, the best version of ourselves come out when we're... Under pressure. Under pressure. Yep. We get to see what we're really able to do. And uh, I'm sure God would say this with me. There's been songs that we've worked on for months <laughs> that turn out okay. And they're like, ah. And you do a song, you're pressured to do in two days, and it's That's when you get your hit, yeah. Because you, you just dug deep, got the lyrics quick. Pressed in, believed in what you wrote the first time, and just went with it. And uh, you know that pressure is there for a reason. You know, life is life isn't about happening on our own terms. A lot of times we get a lot of curveballs, and you got to be able to to run with them. Yeah. You know? And and this stuff shows you what you're worth and what you're able to do. You know. So now, I mean, it, it's it's actually empowered me in in my my talent. Like I know now that I'm good at a certain type of. Uh, uh, of uh, of music and and certain type of uh, demand, and it's a good feeling to know that at any point I could, <laughs> you know, be forced to write a song in a day and I'll be all right. I mean, Tupac wrote a whole album in a week, you know. <laughs> so yeah, it's crazy watching you do it. I'm always like, yo, that's it takes me five hours to write like seven bars <laughs> <laughs> at this point in my life. <laughs> Uh, I'm not that bad, yeah, but yeah. I got like 20 songs sitting in a hard drive. Like, hello, you can ever put me out? No. Put it out. Put it out. You think I should put it out? One of these days. I don't know. My, you know, my problem is I wait for the right time. I'm still stuck on that stuff. It's got to be the right time. And we're not even in that anymore. And now it's just like, bro, I just wrote this song. I'm just going to put it out. If you like yeah. it, you like it. If you don't, you know, I don't care. And I'm going to keep it moving. That's I need true. to just put it out. Yep. I think my fear is that it's like really good. It's what? I said my fear is like that it's gonna be really good. <laughs> and then what do I do with that? People are like, what's well, next? Nothing. nothing. That's all you got. <laughs> That's all you get. That's Go it. listen to my podcast. <laughs> Let's write it out. That's it. But I'm excited, babe. I think it's um. Thank you for joining me. No problem. This is gonna be our best year yet, baby. I have really enjoyed being your wife. Oh yeah. I have. I've enjoyed uh, 
You know what I love making about these kids, making these kids? <laughs> Hex, yeah. I practice. Ah. <laughs> I what I love about um, what I love about you is that um, say it slow. <laughs> what I love about you or, lo- or love about us is that even in our lowest times in our marriage, hmm. it was our friendship that sustained us. Yeah. Um, and I think for me, that's what I appreciate the most about our relationship is that um, we have an amazing friendship. And I think, you know, sometimes people look at me like I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, no, you know, like he is my friend, you know. And I think we used to say that too. Like, if we ever broke up, like we'd still be cool friends. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I, I do. I appreciate our friendship. Uh, we have some good times together. But I enjoy being your wife. I think I could be better. But you know, I'm growing. We have our whole lives ahead of us. Yeah, plenty of time for <laughs> to you get, to get it, better. To get it right. What'd you say? <laughs> for you to be better. For me to be better. <laughs> Uh, but no, I have. I've enjoyed being your wife. I've enjoyed uh, doing life with you. Um, and I'm excited to see what God continues to do in our life. It's been awesome. I mean, everything, you know, watching you with your iPod. I'm sorry, iPod. Stupid podcast. <laughs> sorry, guys. I'm a little technically backwards. That's yes, he is technically challenged. Um, but the podcast, you know, managing putting together marketing campaigns for books and, and uh, way more than that. But just watching everything that, you know, you're doing while raising children and maintaining, you know, the church website and just, <laughs> you're, you're crazy, you know, you're amazing. Uh, and I'm blessed, you know. I mean, literally, all the stuff we were just talking about, the licensing and, you know, I couldn't do any of that stuff without you because I don't even know, well, I'm learning now. But at the beginning, I didn't know the business side of it. I didn't know how the money split and all those kind of things. And these are all things that you're just well-versed on, you know? Um, you can be in a ring with a lawyer and go toe-to-toe with what a contract says in it. And it's, because I work with a bunch of lawyers, it's meant to confuse the average mm-hmm. person the way that it's written. And for you, it's like plain English, you know? And you're able to break it down. So, you know, it's, it's just awesome, you know? like. Everything about you makes us as a family better. We make a good team. We do. But you make me better. You make me better. Who sing, <laughs> whose song is that? You make me better. It's a ne- neo song. What's up, Tati? Oh, snap. My god baby's here. With her cute self. Anyways, I love you. Love you too. Anything else you want to talk about? No, I think we had everything on, on the... The matching Wu-Tang do- shirts. Matching Wu-Tang shirts. Um... <laughs> Matching Jordans. <laughs> matching Jordans. My, me and my son have matching Jordans. You guys do, and yet. you guys are super cute together. We got a new Actually, wait, up. do I have... Oh, excuse me. You guys got new sneakers yeah, without the me? the sneakers he got. The Cements, baby. It's the only ones that listen. Do you know I still I still have not worn... Because you, me, you, and him have the matching white, blue, and, blue, and black um, Jordans. What are they? The, the sixes? Fours. The fours? Mm-hmm. Um, the motocross ones. I still haven't worn mine. That's crazy. I have like five pairs of sneakers, I think, in my closet right now that I haven't worn yet. That's a shame. I should probably stop buying sneakers. You should. I only have one. You're part of the problem, though, because you buy them for me as well. (laughs) For you to wear them. Like right now, you're doing this show without no sneakers on. (laughs) (laughs) Kicking it with skin. (laughs) I normally do have sneakers on. But anyways, I love you. 
Um, yeah. Thanks for joining me on my podcast. All right. Can't wait Thank to you see for supporting you, uh, me. Interview next. You got to interview one, right? You got to interview uh, the NASA girl. Who? NASA, the girl that works for NASA. Don't be giving away my guests. What do you mean? People got to know. Coming next. <laughs> I will. Anyway, I love you. Thanks for joining me. It was a pleasure. Uh, thanks for being my life partner, babe. You're the best. And thank you for supporting me and all my crazy ideas. Anytime. <laughs> Anyways, guys, thanks for joining us. It's Kicking It With Butter, the podcast. My guest, Kanata Small, my husband, the rapper, the father, <laughs> the, uh, the man. I love you. Thanks for joining me. Love you too, baby. <laughs> Bye. Hey, thanks for kicking it with me today. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And do me a favor. If you can just rate the show, let people know what you think, that would be awesome. And be sure to follow me online at Kicking It With Butter. I'm looking forward to connecting with you. All right? I'm going to catch you guys later.